If you're new here, my name is Keith Dollar. I'm the lead pastor here. And I just want to say it is a joy to be here with you guys. It it truly is a joy to be walking with you and to see what God is up to in the lives of his children. And that I get a part, I get to be a part of what God's doing in y'all's life is really a joy. I, I delight in seeing the Lord provide open doors, new jobs, breakthroughs, growth, habits being broken off, prayers being answered, provision coming through, healing when you're sick. I I delight in the good things that God is doing in your lives, marriages being strengthened and restored. I delight in all those things that God is doing amongst you all, and and that I get to be a part of that is is really a delight and joy to my heart. Um, And I, I grieve too and carry the weight of the burden when, when you guys are struggling, church. I mean, I, f- I feel that emotionally, spiritually. And so it's a, it's a privilege and a great responsibility to be leading and pastoring here. So I just want to say that you guys are amazing. I, I appreciate how our church serves and gives of ourselves to one another, loves one another. I think what we're talking about here today as one of our values, I see us walking in this. And I want to exhort us to continue in this specific area of unity and diversity. This is something we value in our values um, on our website. We're doing a series on family values, and we've identified eight core values that we have as a church family. And one of those is unified diversity. Unified diversity. And it says that we embrace and honor diversity in our church. Heaven is and will be a place of diversity with people from every ethnic group. There are core truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ that unite us, which we refuse to compromise. And there are secondary positions and preferences that, that give that we give one another freedom to hold without judging or breaking fellowship. Okay, as I mentioned earlier, one of those core truths is being saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, right? And so we're going to hold tight to those things that are essential in scripture of, of what it, essential to being a Christian and to having salvation. We're going to hold tight to those. But there are secondary issues such as spiritual gifts and how they operate. Okay, those are secondary issues. We're talking about that on Wednesday night right now. And there's churches that have different views on that. And, and it's okay that we have some different perspectives on how the, all that plays out. There's several secondary issues that we're not going to break fellowship over, but we're united around the core truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The unity of the church is the heart of God and flows from the heart of God. So it's such a weighty matter to God, so much so that Jesus in his last hours before going to the cross, in his last hours before going to the cross, he prays this powerful prayer in John 17. And one of his requests in that prayer as God the Son is talking to God the Father, Okay, this is like the holies of holies kind of moment here. God the Son talking to God the Father, and we get to know what they were talking about. The Father was, the Son was talking to the Father about one, one thing specifically there that they would be, that the church, and, and I believe verse 21, that the church would be one. John 17, 21, that they may be one, 
just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus prayed about the church being united together so that the world would believe that the Father sent the Son. So God cares much about his children getting along, walking together in unity, even with all the diversity that we have as Christians. I mean, I look across this morning the room and we have diversity amongst us in age and life stages that we're in, in ethnicity. Uh, we have diversity in our gifts, spiritual gifts that God has given us. And yet we're together and there's unity here amongst us. The psalmist says how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Psalm 133. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. In this section, the apostle Paul exhorts unity in the church. The apostle Paul in the first three chapters of Ephesians has unpacked gospel truth, profound gospel truth. He goes back talking about from eternity past, God choosing us and, and Jesus stepping into time to rescue us. And he, and he, Paul prays this powerful, two powerful prayers. In chapter one, he prays that the church would be enlightened to know the hope of their calling, the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints and the power that works towards us who believe. So Paul has these two prayers of intercession for the church. He's explaining gospel truth to the church, who we are, whose we are, and what we have in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, and how we're saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8, and how we're God's worksmanship created in Christ Jesus. And then there's this hinge verse. There's this therefore in chapter 4 where the apostle Paul is changing the focus and actually let me let me quote john stott here a commentator who has a great commentary on ephesians i'm actually going to lean uh adapt uh, his outline of this section because i think he does such a great job and i've modified it a little bit uh, but he says this about this section he says now the apostle moves from the new society to the new standards which are expected of it so he turns from exposition to exhortation, from what God has done in the indicative to what we must be and do in the imperative. From doctrine to duty, from mind-stretching theology to its down-the-earth concrete implications in everyday living. The truths of the gospel are simple yet profound. They're deep and they're life-changing and we have to put them into practice in our day-to-day -day living. And one of the ways that Paul uh, talks about living it out is he uses the word walk in the rest of Ephesians. Walk in wisdom. Walk in the light. Walk in love. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Ephesians 4 verse 1. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. 
just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So here's the big idea. This is where we're going from this text is that God desires the unity and the maturity among diversity, uh, among the diversity of his people. God desires the unity and maturity among the diversity of his people. He wants us to be united and he wants us to grow up. And yet do so, be united and grow up with the unique design that he's given us and the giftings and the and the u- unique design that you have that may be a little bit different than those sitting next to you, okay? And so that's what God desires for us. That's what we're gonna look at. I, as a father, delight when my children get along and play together in harmony and unity. It's a sweet sound in our house, in the dollar house, when the kids are playing quietly and kindly and working together and sharing and things are going good and peaceful in the house and mom and dad are able to enjoy the home much more than when there's whining, fussing, fighting, scratching, pulling, and so on, temper tantrums, and and it does happen regardless of how godly you are. If you've been a parent for longer than a a year or two, you'll discover that your children have a sinful nature that they're born with, that you need the grace and wisdom of God to shepherd them and teach them and lead them and point them to Jesus. Amen. So here's the first point this morning from Ephesians 4 is that Christian unity requires humility and love. Okay. Paul hinges this verse with with this word, I therefore. He's building upon what he's already unpacked in the indicative. This is what God has done, what Jesus Christ has done. He's God has chosen us from eternity. Jesus Christ has stepped in and he's paid for our salvation. He's redeemed us and the spirit has sealed us. Ephesians 1.13 Father, Son, and Holy Spirit each have a part in our salvation. And so Paul's already unpacked that. Now he's building upon to, to, with some application of how, how we're to live it out, how we're to walk it out, how we are to live out these imperatives, these commands, these instructions that he's given us because of what he's done in the indicative already. Okay, It's important as Christians that we receive and understand what God has done for us. And then that be the basis and the foundation for us responding and doing for him in obedience to him. Um, right now, our one-year-old, our one-year-old does not contribute anything to the chores in the household. Okay. If anything, he adds to the chores in the household. Now he adds great joy and delight to our household, but he doesn't yet have responsibilities to do the dishes or make the bed or Fold your clothes and put them up. There's no responsibilities like that for our one-year-old. We just want him to communicate to us when he needs something, when he's hungry or when he has a dirty diaper or whatever. All right? But as our children get older, we expect them to be responsible beings, responsible human beings who contribute to the good of to the household. 
And the Apostle Paul describes in chapter 1 of Ephesians all the benefits and the blessings that we have in Christ, and we did nothing to earn those. It's all grace. The riches of God's grace is just lavished on us. And I think new Christians need to just, just experience that. Experience the grace of God, okay? God loves you. You're a child of God, okay? But when when you get five, six, and seven years old, it's time to get out of diapers, right? It's time to start doing some chores. It's time to uh, stop stop breastfeeding uh, and so on. There's certain things to go from the milk to the meat. It's time for solid food, right? It's time to grow up. It's time to be a responsible person and one of, a mature person to grow in maturity, to grow up. Unfortunately, not everybody who grows old grows up. It's ideal that those of us who grow older grow up, but we've all seen those who are uh, adult man-childs. Uh, we've all seen it, and so God, God wants his people to grow up, and he's glorified when we do. And if we're going to walk in unity, it requires us having humility and love. And these are some marks of maturity. He says, I therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Here's what that looks like. To walk worthy in a manner to which you've been called means walking it out in humility and gentleness. And with patience, bearing with one another in love. If you're going to live worthy, you're going to walk worthy, and you're going to contribute to the unity of the church, then you've got to walk in humility. You've got to be humble. Uh, verse 3, it says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Philippians 1 is a parallel verse where Paul's exhorting humility and unity. He's exhorting the Philippians to strive together for the faith of the gospel side by side, united around the core gospel truths, right? And so it takes humility to, to, to have unity. The, the scriptures tell us in Proverbs that through pride comes contention. Now, I'm going to help some, some marriages get strengthened here, right? Because uh, this has been a big help for me and my wife. Through pride comes contention. And so those who humble themselves first win. Okay? When you choose the low road, you choose the humble road, you're going the way of Christ. And if you want to dismantle contention and conflict in relationships, then take the low road. If you want to be a troublemaker in your marriage, a troublemaker in your church, a troublemaker at work, then just be prideful and independent and bossy and self-assertive and you will tear up everything. You'll ruin relationships. You might get fired or you might get divorced or you might just tear apart all the relationships that you have. Pride comes before destruction, right? And so Jesus was humble. He lived humble. And Paul exhorts us to have this mind that Jesus had, this mindset of a servant. I'm going to serve you. Okay? Humility is seeing ourselves in truth, seeing ourselves soberly, seeing ourselves through from God's perspective. And one of the things that helps us, two things that help us to walk in humility is, is seeing ourselves in view of God's greatness. When we look at how great God is, when we look at creation, we're humbled by how small and finite we are. And seeing ourselves not only from in the perspective of God's greatness, but also from the perspective of God's grace. The Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God, and God's grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more and more than the rest of the apostles, yet not I. 
but the grace of God that was with me. First Corinthians 15.10. So Paul attributes who he is, his identity as an apostle, as somebody who's saved in the family of God to the grace of God. And he attributes all his faithful, fruitful labor to the grace of God operating in his life. He didn't have anything to boast about. And he didn't have to go about despairing about his wicked, sinful past because the grace and the mercy of God was lavished upon him abundantly. Okay? And so understanding and seeing ourselves through, the, through God's grace and, and in view of his greatness helps us be humble and realizing that we are just a part of the body. Realizing that we need one another within the body of Christ. When it, it's a humbling reality when you realize you need other people who have gifts and strengths that you don't have. And so God's created this interdependence. He's designed us to have this interdependence within the body of Christ where we're working together, where we're leaning in to one another, expecting one another to bring their part and us bringing our part for the good and the edification of the body. Okay? This is humility. It requires humility for us to maintain Christian unity. Now, notice he says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Now, there's a reality that God has already created unity within the church. He's united us together in one family. You have brothers and sisters in India. In China, in Afghanistan, in Pakistan. Saints, you have family all over the globe. Probably in every single country. There's Christians all over the globe. And we're connected through our relationship with the Father. And that's my next point. Is that Christian unity is based on our relationship with God. You see, verse 4, he says, There is one body. One spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, who is through all, who is in all. So here's the basis. Here's the foundation for us being united together is we have one father. We're brothers and sisters together in one family. Paul mentions this in his prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 when he prayed that the Ephesian church would know the depth and the width and the height of God's love. That they would know it, that they would get it, that they would experience the love of God. In a profound way, we need that. We need that to change our lives. If we're going to bear with one another in love, if we're going to, to walk that out, we need to know the love that the Father has for us. Romans 5.5 5 says that when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit has poured out the love of God into our hearts. So we have that love and we have this uniting, this bonding together with the church when we became Christians. We have this common unity, this community of faith with one faith, one hope, one Lord, one baptism. We've been baptized into Christ and water baptism is symbolic to what has spiritually and inwardly taken place in that baptism. Okay? Water baptism is is an outward sign of what has spiritually or inwardly taken place when you were baptized into the body of Christ. You became a part 
of the family of God. And so this is what connects us. We have one, there's one body. That's the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. Okay. Now, while there are many local churches and many denominations, there's really only one, one church, you know, there's one family of God and it transcends denominations. It transcends the local churches. Okay. And so we need one another and we need to honor one another. We need to be humble, not being selfish and prideful because the basis for our unity is our relationship with God. Look at verse 7 through 10. Christian unity is enriched by the diversity of our gifts. Notice verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Notice verse 7. It says, grace, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. God has given every Christian a gift. He's given every Christian a measure of grace, a measure of faith. And there are gifts that differ from one another. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks specifically about these gifts that Christians have. Okay, In Ephesians 4, Paul's emphasizing the leaders as gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and I'll get to that here in a minute. But in in 1 Corinthians 12, in Romans 12, he speaks about the gifts, the spiritual gifts, spirit-enabled enablements that the, the Holy Spirit has given to every Christian. And he says this, verse 4, now there are varieties, varieties of gifts, deferring gifts. So there's some diversity in how we're gifted and how we're wired, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. For what? For the common good. For the common good. So here's a purpose. Here's one of the reasons that God has given us the gifts that we do have. Now, it's important to understand how you're gifted and how you're wired and, and how those around you are wired and how your gifts work together. Has anybody ever taken the um, DIST test, personality test? Now, the big one right now is the Enneagram. Anybody taken the Enneagram? Okay. If you're up to date on your personality, gifting, strength finders, Myers-Briggs, <laughs> Myers-Briggs. Okay, there's all these the tests that help you discover how you're gifted and how you're wired. How about a spiritual gift test? Anybody taking a spiritual gift test? Did, did anybody, if you had a light bulb moment when you took some of those tests and, and how you relate to coworkers or family members or friends, if you had a light bulb moment, would you raise your hand? Like, oh, that's why there's some conflict. Because they're seeing it from this perspective and I'm focused on this perspective. Okay, about this, about half of us. I know I've had some light bulb moments because I've, I realized, okay, this is, this is as an exhorter, evangelist kind of guy, I'm focused on 
this aspect of let's go reach the lost. Come on, guys. And then like as a teacher, pastoral person, it's more of like, let's get into the details here. Let's go deeper in the word. Let's do more Bible study, right? And so it's helpful. It's been helpful for me to see or like my wife who has the gift of mercy. When she sees somebody hurting or struggling, she is is more she has more of a tendency to pick up on it when when I may not pick up on it. I'm like, "Come on, let's go. We got things to do, people to reach, life's impact, right?" And yet my wife gifted in having this heart of compassion uh, is more sensitive to what's going on with those who are hurting and struggling and needing attention. And so within the body, there are different types of gifts. There are gifts that focus on serving and there are gifts that focus on speaking. Now, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But I want to point out that there is unity and diversity within the body of Christ. And this is a beautiful thing. This is a beautiful thing. The the ethnic diversity is a beautiful thing. And Paul's already talked about this in Ephesians 2. The ethnic diversity between Jews and Gentiles. There was a lot of hostility between Jews and Gentiles. But the gospel of Jesus Christ tears those things down. And the apostle Paul talked about it in chapter 2. That Christ has torn down the wall of separation. He's removed the hostility between the races. Because of the gospel of peace. That's what the gospel does when it's, when we're living it out. When we let it have its effect in our lives, it creates unity and peace with other brothers and sisters who are in Christ. And that goes beyond, it transcends ethnicities. Right? And, and God brings together people from different backgrounds united as one family and it's so beautiful. And, there are people that are gifted and wired who think different than, than us, right? And so because there is diversity, there's a lot of opportunity for conflict. Okay, if you've been married for a year or more, you, you know that men and women are different. And maybe you've had some light bulb moments in that first year of marriage that, oh yeah, men and women are a lot different than I thought, right? There's some different, <laughs> there's some different perspectives and different ways of going about doing things. And part of that's our upbringing and part of that's our gifting and part of that's being male and female, all right? But yet God says the husband and wife are one. He's united them together. And yet there's these, these differences that have to be worked out in the marriage relationship. And that's the same in the body of Christ, in the family of God. We have to acknowledge and embrace and honor the diversity and walk in unity with that as well. John Stott says this. He says, the unity of the church is due to the charis, the grace. God's grace having reconciled us to himself, but the diversity of the church is due to the charismata. Charismata. God's gifts distributed to the church members. Okay, I'll say it again. The unity of the church is due to charis. God's grace having reconciled us to himself, but the diversity of the church is due to the charismata. God's gift distributed uh, to the members of the church. Has anybody been to an orchestra? We had the privilege of going to a free uh, orchestra uh, Memorial Day weekend, um, or 
maybe on Memorial Day. Uh, the DSO, Dallas Symphony Orchestra, has an outdoor orchestra on Flagpole Hill every year, and it's free. Amazing event if you can make it next year. It, weather was beautiful. The music was beautiful, and we were outdoors, too. We weren't in a building. We were outside. There were fireworks. It was amazing. Okay, one of the things that I think is beautiful about an orchestra is there are all these different instruments and people playing different parts and notes, yet on the same page, and they're bringing different parts to, to the performance, and they're all adding beauty to the sound of what's coming out in, in the right time. Okay, it's time to do that. Do that. And it's, and it's moving. It's inspiring. There's beauty in the music. There's beauty in the unison, yet diversity. Hearing those different instruments and sounds and the timing of those coming in. And it moves us. We're moved by that, the beauty of that. And, and God's created us to be His worksmanship created in Christ Jesus. We're His tapestry. And we, we all bring a part and we bring an aspect of the beautiful thing that God is doing in the earth. And your part is important. It's important to God. Your part is beautiful. Some of us feel like, oh, my gift, it's not so important. Some of us, some of us don't value and see ourselves through the grace, through the lens of God's grace. And maybe we compare ourselves with others. But the grace of God helps us to think of ourselves soberly, whether it's not more highly than we ought to or not more lowly than we ought to, putting ourselves down and not valuing how God has designed us. God says that we are like we are the body of Christ. Think about the complexity of the body. There's a foot, a skeleton of a foot up there. Just think about your foot and how many bones and all the complexity that's involved in your foot. And what happens when you, when you break a toe or stub a toe or your foot's not functioning properly? Now, your foot's small compared to your whole body, but that will change everything for the next several weeks if you hurt your foot, right? Your foot's important. Every part of our body is important, and it's important that our body be connected and work together and function that every part of that body does its part. That's, how, that's what God says we are. We are the body of Christ. He's the head, and we all have a part, and your part is important. Christian unity is strengthened when leaders do their part. So in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 here, 11, he's, he's referring specifically to leaders, gifted leaders that he's given as gifts to the church for a purpose. Okay. He, verse 11, he says he gave some, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. And what did he give them for? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes." So leaders, the part of leaders within the church is to feed, to care, to equip the, the, the saints so that the saints can do the work of the ministry. So a lot of us got this backwards. 
A lot of churches got this backwards. It, the mindset is those guys up on stage, they do the work of the ministry and we're just uh, spectators. We just show up and we watch. We're entertained. We have this entertainment culture where we just, we're, we've been trained to just go to the movies and sit down, enjoy the show and go home. And God forbid that our church should be like that. God forbid that we should be a church full of spectators. May we be those who actively participate and engage because our part matters. Your part matters. You're called to ministry, saints. I don't know if you, anybody's ever told you that before. I, and, and maybe, maybe, you know, you're, you're like, well, I'm not called the full-time ministry, full-time Christian ministry as an occupation. Okay. But you're called to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the Puritans and the, the reformers called it the priesthood of the believers. You see, for, for years, the Roman Catholic Church created this hierarchy within the church clergy and the priests were up here and then the saints were, the rest of the saints were all down here. And actually, but there's this separation. There's this separation. We're up here and we're down here. But no, the, the Bible kind of levels the playing ground, if you will. We're all called to the priesthood. We're all called to be ministers who minister to one another and minister to the world. That we, we're all called to represent. Notice verse 12. Leaders are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's you. Look to your neighbor, point to him and say, you're called to the work of ministry. You're called to the work of ministry. Okay, you know what? The work of ministry is, all of ministry is, is just serving others in love. Serving God, serving others. Okay, that's, that's what ministry is about. Loving God, loving others. Okay, and that's what we do in ministry. We have this mindset to serve. Every Christian has the capacity to build up other Christians in some way. Every Christian has the capacity to receive love and to give love. Now, it, you're going to be more effective in giving love if you learn how to receive love and grace from God and lots of it. Just let them lavish it on you. Receive it. Don't let your pride and your self-condemnation and whatever block you from receiving God's love and grace. You receive it so that you can just give it out like a mighty river into the lives of others. So you can get freed up of your self-consciousness. Navel gazing, so focused on how do I look, how do I, how am I perceived by others, where you get freed up to just love people and serve people where you see needs. And you'll discover how you're gifted and how you're not so gifted. And you can learn how to, <clears throat> how to work with other Christians in that. So, so say, the leaders are called to equip the saints. When the leaders are doing this in a church, it, it, contributes and strengthens the unity notice the effects until verse 13 until we all attain the unity of the faith okay that's that's what that's what we're moving towards here at city church and as the church is at large the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of god to mature manhood to the measure of stature of the fullness of christ so that we won't be like children that are easily tossed around by every wind of doctrine there's some stability that comes when leaders are doing their part um, but also when when the saints are doing their part as well christian unity also demands our growth in maturity christian unity also demands our growth in maturity notice he goes on in verse 15 
He says, but rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint by which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Your part matters. And every Christian has the ability to speak the truth in love. If we're going to grow up together, we need to be a community that is marked by love and the truth of God's word. And those two married together, working together amongst us and us communicating the truth lovingly. That An environment like that, being planted and connected and involved in a Christian community that speaks the truth in love will provide flourishing for your soul and, and for your spiritual life. Okay? This is a mark. Speaking the truth of love in love is a mark of maturity and a means to growth. It's a mature thing to speak the truth in love. There's a tendency for when there's conflict or when there's, there's somebody that's, that needs to be confronted, there's a tendency to try to just love them from afar. Not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna love them from afar. Right? Or you, your personality and your gifting may be different. You might be, I'm just gonna speak the truth to them and let them have it. Right? Some of us tend to focus way too much on one or the other and and leave one or the other out. But a mature Christian who contributes to the growth of other Christians has learned to speak the truth in love and not be like a little child. When there's conflict, who says, I'm going to just take my toys and go home. I'm going to go over here. Or I'm going to fight you until you give me your toy, right? You know, uh, so so we we're called to grow up, to grow up out of our immaturity. You see, the uh, Corinthian church was an immature church that had lots of issues. Paul addressed them, and divisions arose within that church because of their immaturity. Paul said, "You guys are like babes. You need milk. Like I wanted to give you meat. I wanted to, I wanted I wanted to." tell you about spiritual things but you guys just couldn't handle it you're not even getting along there's jealousy there's strife among you are you not in the flesh behaving only in a human way all right and so paul's like this this division amongst the church that's immature it's childish kids grow up yeah you're a child of god yeah you're a saint but it's time to grow up and, and mature and grow into all that god's called you to be Grow out of those toddler temper tantrums. And all the kids on family Sundays say, yeah. What is that? Is that is that a toddler from, uh, is that inside out? Okay. We want, as, as adults and children, we want to grow out of this stage. Maybe you were in this stage at one time in your life. Maybe you're in this stage right now. In this time, in time of life, where you throw a temper tantrum, where your emotions get out of control when you don't get what you want, and you just let your anger flare, let your words flare, or you just shut down in anger, and you do uh, passive aggressive temper tantrums, where you 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 attack by not doing anything at all, like that's your strategy, right? 
And so God wants us to grow up out of that. We need to be mature Christians. God's given us a gift and we're called to serve one another with it in love and humility. And when we do that, when we bring what we have to the table, to the community of faith and love one another by using the gifts that we have to serve one another, to build up one another, then there's going to be growth. There's going to be unity. There's going to be joy. There's going to be peace. God is going to get glory through our lives. Our witness and credibility before the lost world will be much more powerful and winsome when unbelievers and outsiders come in and hang out among us and they experience the love, the deep love and unity that we have, they will be impacted Hearing our voices united together in one song, exalting Jesus, seeing our, our, the harmony that we have amongst us. And so in application, reflect on your part in the body of Christ and evaluate your connection. Reflect on your part. Are you a toe, a hand, a foot? What part are you in the body of Christ? An ear, an eye? Don't say to the foot, if you're a hand, I don't need you, because you do. We need each other. And so reflect on your part. And are you bringing your part? Or are you like dislocated, broken? You need, you need some healing, need to be restored so that you can function properly. We want this to be a safe place where a community, a loving community, which is the message next week, by the way, Kevin Diaz is going to preach a loving community where those who are hurt and broken and dislocated can receive healing, find grace and mercy. God forbid that we should have friendly fire here amongst us and shoot one another. Friendly fire is the term for soldiers who shoot one another. So identify anything that hinders you from walking in unity with the body of Christ. Is there pride? That's kept you from opening yourself up to connect. Pride isolates. Pride creates conflict. Humility disarms and and helps us to, to freely engage with one another. Insecurities, fears. Is that keeping you from being connected, intimately connected within the faith community? Laziness. Relationships just take work. Right? If you're gonna go deep in any relationship, you gotta like be intentional. You gotta like call somebody back or text them back or email them back or say, hey, can we get together? Like, and, and show interest that you actually wanna meet with somebody and connect with somebody or show up to community group or show up to Wednesday night or whatever. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta be intentional. I know we have busy lives and busy schedules. And, and maybe that's, maybe that's one of the things that's hindering you from being connected. Maybe you're just super busy with a lot of good things. But one really important thing that you don't want to miss out is your vital connection, not only to Christ, but to his body, where you're receiving grace from the body and you're bringing your part to, you're a conduit of the grace of God. God forbid that we should just be like a a cul-de-sac or like the Dead Sea that just has life going into it but no life flowing out. And that's why everything that in Israel, when everything goes into the Dead Sea, it dies because there's no outflow. We're not designed to be a cul-de-sac where we just receive blessings from God. We're designed to receive, to be recipients of God's grace, but also 
conduits of the grace of God. Being those through our words, through our acts of service, where we're transferring grace into the lives of other people. And what, what a satisfying experience that is. To receive grace from God and to freely give it out as we've received. And so maybe talk to God about that this week. If you have anything hindering you from being actively and intimately connected to the body of Christ, to the community, what, what needs to change in your perspective or in your schedule or in your priorities? Renew your mind with what God says about you and your part in the body of Christ and how he sees that. So let's, let's pray. I'm going to close in prayer and Kevin's going to lead us, um, in a song. And I just want to create some space to respond, to pray and talk to God about this, to respond to God about this. Father, our Father, if you know the Lord's Prayer, can, can we just say it this morning? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So, Father, you are our Father and we are your children. And we thank you for bringing us together in one family, uniting us through the gospel. You are sovereign over us. You're a Father who is all-powerful and all-loving, gracious and wise. And we thank you that you've designed us for your glory And you've designed us to be conduits of your love and grace and truth. And God, I pray that you would unclog any clogs in our lives. Clogs from receiving, barriers from receiving your grace and love and truth. And barriers and clogs that keep us from giving out to others. I pray that you would free us up from the inside out. Free us up, God. May rivers of living water flow from our innermost being. And I pray for healing for those who are hurt. Hope for those discouraged. Restoration for those who are broken amongst us and fallen. Vision. Renewed vision for those of us who can't see beyond the horizon. You're good. If you want prayer, feel free to come up as we sing this song. Or you can just pray right there where you're at. You can raise your hand if you want somebody to come to you and pray.